Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is SiriusXM. Channel 127, welcome to Progress After Dark. Good evening to everybody out there on the West Coast driving home in your vehicles. Hello to everybody else in the Middle and the East Coast. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm John Fugel saying, here in Manhattan, New York City, Thea is producing us from Brooklyn. Chris, our executive producer, is being executive and production-like down in South Carolina. So I am so excited to have another panel here on the show. Every week we're trying now, we're trying to get back to having a regular panel of distinguished non-experts together to solve all problems in politics, in pop culture, in religion, in world and economic affairs. And uh, we have three of our favorite people here right now. First off, my God, there's no words for how much I love Jody Hamilton. There's not enough adjectives. You might know her from From the Bunker, her amazing podcast about politics and pop culture that you should subscribe to. Uh, you might know her from her appearances on Stephanie Miller. You might even know her as one of the goth ninjas on Bob Seska's show, Jody Hamilton. Thank you for joining us from L.A. My pleasure. I'm glad you dragged me in. Thanks for being dragged. Josh Carter, I haven't seen you in a while. Last time we were in person in the Howard Stern Tower. Josh is a great Brooklyn comic. He's a mainstay on the New York scene. He headlined uh, Caroline's Breakout Artist Series and performs all the time at The Stand. And uh, Caroline's, well, when we had Caroline's, catches showed Northern Discomfort or uh, or his many Not shows anymore. he does all of. Oh, that's right. We don't do Northern Discomfort anymore. Yeah, we don't do Northern. <laughs> but, but it was fun while it lasted. That was my show at The Stand back in the day. I mean, it's just amazing because you have been such a so key at setting up these shows that really build followings in the New York comedy scene. And you have put it together so many lineups that have the most diverse array of New York comics all together. It's like, I don't know, you're, you're sort of like my Obi-Wan when it comes to putting together crews like this. <laughs> That's very high praise. Thanks. So, yeah, I just try to mix it up, you know, just in case. So you really can't complain about anybody because, like, if you don't like one, the next person's, like, completely different. I always try to, you know, have that, like, variety in there. 
Yeah, that's how I feel about um, about uh, CNN anchors as well. There'll be another one in a few minutes, so don't worry. Um, and I'm really, really happy to welcome back to the show our friend Victor Shee. Victor is a writer, a speaker, an organizer. Uh, he was the youngest delegate for Joe Biden at the Democratic Convention in 2020. And uh-huh. he uh, is also a junior at UCLA. Victor, it's great to see you. Victor also co-hosts the podcast Intergenerational Politics with our friend Jill Weinbanks. How are you, sir? Welcome. I'm good. I'm slightly intimidated but to be among such great comedians, but um, I don't consider myself funny, but I'm excited to be here. Well, Jody's not officially a comedian. She's just funnier than most comics. And uh, and and, <laughs> and looks that's just looks, honey. I mean, you know, looks don't count for everything, do they? <laughs> Um, I, I wanted to begin with, though, with something that's not really about politics, because um, I was on a TV show that was bringing up this poll and I was hearing about this poll all week. This recent Win World Global study that looked into how people feel about age around the world. They surveyed thousands of people in all different cultures, and they found that in every society, people start feeling old at a different age. And in the United States, it turns out the average age when people stop feeling young on the average is 43. That means right now people born in 1979 or 1980, and I'm terrified that 1980 was 43 years ago. There is a buffer zone. Americans don't start feeling old until they reach 52. There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, This is also the last year, this means, before the older millennials stop feeling young. Millennials are generally considered to be born between 81 and 96, and next year, the 81 babies will all be turning 43. I have many thoughts on this. I think it's uh, almost complete rubbish and yet very, very fascinating and telling at the same time. I mean, Jody, what is to be made of of surveys like this uh, about age when I think the reality is because of class, because of economics, because of poverty, some people get to feel like they're young much later in life than others. I've known people in their 20s who are already old, and I've known people in their 70s who are still quite young. What is to be made of these sort of studies? And is there really a time of life when we start feeling like, oh, I'm old now? Well, I assume I'm the oldest person here because I'm 56. So Mm. um, my first gray hair was in my 30s. And my friend Tia, who you've met, she pulled yes. it out. Um, I dye my hair so you can see all the gray. Um, you know, it's funny because sometimes I feel super old, like when my back is out or, you know, normal things. And other times I'm like, wait, I'm how old am I? What to carry the two? I forget. Yeah. You know, because I do feel younger than I am sometimes. I mean, my mom's 90 now and she still feels like she's 11. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, I, I do think you it's know, completely I, I saw subjective. That, that, yeah, I mean, I watched that the the news report on it, and you're right, that was ridiculous. The three of them <laughs> talking like that, um, it yes. was just like, come on, guys. And and I would imagine you're right that that how much money you have or don't can help to determine whether or not you feel old, and and whether you you have a roof over your head, whether you have food in your refrigerator. You know, these things will you can age very quickly without certain modern. Exactly. Convenient, not conveniences or just uh, being comfortable in your life, just living. You will be older at a younger age and you can feel younger at an older age if you've got all these wonderful things. So, uh, yeah, I agree that that class and money and everything just fuels into that. And that's why different cultures probably have different ages where they feel older or younger. 
Yeah, Josh, I, I kind of feel like I think 43 is the age when people stop caring about polls like this. I think it's not that you stop feeling <laughs> young. At I thought that that's when they started caring and taking these. <laughs> no, I, think, I think in many ways, 43 is when you just stop giving a shit and maybe become young in a whole new way. 43 is, I think, for many people when they, they realize, oh, all this age stuff is nonsense designed to sell me products and make me compete with something that doesn't exist. I, I don't know. I mean, what's your take on it? I, you know, what it is there a time when people are supposed to feel old? You know, what's weird is that like uh, these ages feel a lot older than I would have expected. I always like, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm in, in comedy and everyone's just drunk and talking. I, I see like people in their early <laughs> 30s, like late 20s all the time saying like, even if you see like young comics on stage, you always see like young comics in their late twenties saying, Oh, I'm getting old now and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> I, but you know, it, it, I think that Jody makes a great point. Like, I feel like, uh, it, I think a big part of it depends on what you do for a living too. You know, like if you're a comedian who's never told a joke on television, 34 feels old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I've known com. I mean, Jim Norton was 50 when he was still in his 20s. Bobby Slayton was 60 when he was in his early 30s. I mean, you know, different kinds of lives age you and, and that can be great. But again, I think if you're I think if you're doing what you love, you don't feel old about it. Victor, you're the disgustingly young one here on the panel. I mean, He's have they been have they begun like demographically harassing you yet? Because, you know, mid 20s is when they start trying to sell you your childhood back in the form of nostalgia. You'll see they're going to start doing it really soon. <laughs> well, I haven't experienced that yet. I mean, I will say, I mean, you know, I haven't turned 21 yet, but I'm turning 21 soon. I will say with each year, it feels like I am kind of crossing a new milestone. So last year from 19 to 20, I feel like, um, you know, I was no longer a teen. And so I'm like, I'm in my 20s, which is like a significant <laughs> moment. But I, I mean, I feel like Victor, I have like, porn kind of older than you. I have right porn I, in I my house that's older than, than you. <laughs> I have drug paraphernalia older than you, sir. <laughs> I have a sweater that I've got 1980 that I still wear. So <laughs> I have dry cleaning tickets I haven't brought I mean, in yet that are older than you. <laughs> Oh, I, I, oh, wow. You get this all the time. You, he feels like I, mean, I, would, I would have to sneak you into my show at Beauty Bar if I was still doing it. I have, a, I have a grandniece who's almost 30, so there we go. I win. Well, I mean, the, the years do feel like they're, I mean, for me, they feel like they're more significant. And I, I do feel like, um, yes. I mean, so much of I agree with everyone with what everyone said that you know I think where you live I think your economics I think your your background does have a lot to play with it but I also think now also technology has a huge role to play and I mean yes. just for me even I think ten years ago what type of technology I had and how fast it's progressing I mean now there's ChatGPT which I frankly I'm aware of but I don't really quite understand um, and I feel like just with how fast society is developing it maybe causes people to feel like wow like I don't this was not when I grew up and so I do feel sort of um, older, maybe kind of not not up with the time, as they say. <laughs> You're already past it at 21. But I mean, you you do this whole podcast about intergenerational politics with with Jill Weinbanks, and and that's something that we've talked about, which is that in politics and in sports, those are areas where generational differences don't matter when you're fighting for a common cause. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's the whole point of the podcast is hopefully that, you know, despite our differences in age, that there are some things that we can come around together. And I do think politics is one of them where, you know, no matter what, across the generational spectrum, at least you can agree on basic things like protecting our democracy, um, moving forward and, and, and protecting rights and not 
tearing down rights and, and kind of confronting what this Republican Party has become. But I think politics is one of those areas where, you know, kind of age or politics kind of transcends age. And and I know there's a lot of kind of generational kind of tensions um, at play. But at the end of the day, there are some things that we really just want, especially now in this political moment. Yeah. Well, I want to point out in this survey, they found out of all the countries in the world, Italians are apparently the people who feel the youngest in Italy. On the average, they don't start feeling that they, they, they stop feeling young uh, when they turn 60 and they don't start feeling old until they hit 70. So it turns out all that wine and, sex and, wow. <laughs> wine, sex and carbs, I, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> let well, me talk you know about, you, like, you know, you're old when car commercials have the music you grew up to. Oh, like, oh, you, you want to go when, there when you're watching like a, an Escalade commercial and then all of a sudden a song from your youth comes on. That's when you know you're old <laughs> and the, the really expensive cars want your money. It's that's that's you're an adult. That's it. Uh, let's talk about grocery shopping, shall we? You want to go there? Let's talk about grocery shopping to stuff that you, you know, was new and hot when you were a teenager. And now it's being used to encourage you to buy more diapers, even though you don't have a child. I, I, it's, it's demographical. When, bon Jovi, <laughs> when, when, when poison is on the classic rock station is when you start to feel old in our generation. Oh, no, 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 no. We're at a point now where Spice Girls is considered classic rock. I'm just going to... Uh, <laughs> Get in a warm tub and <laughs> open my veins up. Play some Leonard Cohen. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy. Like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm John saying This is Progress After Dark. All right. Let's talk about something more wholesome in politics. This was the week that Donald Trump really announced to us he really is back. And uh, I, I always say we're supposed to be in the great unclenching right now. Like we, we went through the, the this shock of, of this reality game show racist clown becoming president and getting the nuclear codes. And for all of us, a part tensed up, you know, our, 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 the back of your neck, your fists, your sphincter, your jaw. And we're supposed to be in the great unclenching. But Trump is like herpes. He's never going to fully go away. And this week began with him having this devastating loss in the E. Jean Carroll case, $5 million after the $1.4 million for tax fraud with the state of New York and the $26 million for his fraudulent university and the $2 million for his fraudulent charity. I'm trying to keep track of all of these. Um, and then suddenly, at his lowest point yet, when he's on the record as being a sexual abuser, he turns it around 
and pretty much sexually abuses CNN and everything the network ever stood for. And by the end of the week, people are all fighting all over the place. Donald Trump has sucked all the air out of the room. He has dictated the narrative. Do we have to go through all this bullshit again? Or is the fact that Republicans are only 28% of the population going to save us this time? Is the fact that there's no way this guy's going to be more popular now after January 6th? Is the fact that Roe v. Wade is going to guarantee young people will show up in 2024? Does that mean we don't have to worry? Jody, let me begin with you. Can we can we not fear the sky is falling with this guy's resurgence this time? Well, I think we need to be concerned um, that there are 28% of this population that still support that asshole um but people like victor and 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 his generation are going to save us sorry that we've left you such a shitty country to try to save us from victor (laughs) Victor, get gets uh, get started Um, on climate change too victor and and single payer that's all on your generation we've yeah yeah. i mean it's all it's on you guys now we we fucked it up so you guys have to fix our mess Um, jody we didn't fuck it up the boomers handed it to us and we were tired that's all it happened that's true. Would they hey, I'm a millennial, us? so don't blame me, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Gosh, only like two more presidents. O- only millennials and older. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just realizing this, though. I, I, I don't think about things like this until we start talking. So you weren't really around for Clinton. So you only known, but you had like an oasis of Obama. So you've yeah. really only been here from Bush and Trump, huh? No, I, I mean, yeah. I'm old enough to remember yeah. Nixon, so. <laughs> wow. Um, I remember Nixon. I remember him resigning. My parents made me watch that. Um, Those I are think good parents. That, that, well, yeah, we were, it was summertime and we were at the beach and they're like, you got to come in from the beach and watch this. And we're like, what? And we're, no, you got to watch mm. this. Um, and they sat us down and, and we watched him resign. It was, That's it was, amazing. What a I great still, story. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was the right thing to do. But I think that with Donald... We have to watch out for him because he's got people like the CNN helping him out right now. But they also oh. he also screwed himself over with all the lawsuits by what he said the other night. That's so right. go Jack, uh, go Fonny and go Tish and uh, anybody else that's got an idea. Um, he he scares me because he did win last time to over air quote like his son does all the time. Um, he. He's awful. And I know people that literally after 2016 didn't vote for him and then voted for him in 2020. And I'm like, what? I I understood the stupidity of voting for him in 2016, if you didn't know. But after that, friends of mine that voted for Clinton voted for him in 2020. I'm like, what? But after January 6th, they're like, now I'm done. Okay, that's utter insanity. Um, But after January 6th, those same people were like, now I'm done. So I think that helped some people that voted for him and the additional millions of people that voted for him in 2020 to maybe not do it again. I don't think he's going to get more votes in 24 if he nope. makes it to the nomination. Um, I, I believe that if he is the nominee, the Democrats have a really good shot at getting the Senate better, um, getting the House back and retaining That's right. the White House. And they all know it. Um, they he, they all know it. He's an anvil. Yeah. You know, he's a cartoon anvil, you know, that, that holds them all down. Yeah, I doubt that he's going to be have a shot again at being the president. But I'm worried about I feel like everyone now in that whole party is a lot more of a crackpot than ever. Did you see did you see um, DeSantis is banning America, certain Americans from buying property in Florida? That's, That's right. crazy. Yeah. Certain and ethnic like, Americans. Uh, Florida is actually, yeah passing a lot of unconstitutional laws like 
immigrants who come with like a New York state ID that won't be recognized, which is like a violation of the full faith and credit clause. Like you, they won't recognize yeah. other state IDs if you seem like you're That's not it. from here. But and that could yeah. be the other guy who they're electing, you know. And that yeah. you know right. thing, right? And then, but I, yeah, who knows? Who I don't, I don't know enough about their politics to know who the third guy is. But I'm scared of them both, you know. I, I think, but I think you make a great point because again, Victor, you know this. We've talked about it. They completely have overshot. Like they're always perpetually running for the Republican nomination for something. They're always trying to be so right wing to get the yeah, Republicans yeah. to vote for me, and then they put themselves in this corner and they can't etch a sketch their way out. I mean. We saw in 2018, the public at large doesn't like this hate shit. We saw it in 2020. We just saw it in 2022. The public doesn't like the hate shit and the public really doesn't go for this repealing Roe v. Wade shit. But they keep making these mistakes over and over. And I I don't know, I hate to say it, but is there a chance that Chris Licht may have saved democracy by putting this atrocity on the air? Because I just saw 25 different Joe Biden commercials for 2024 there. I mean, Donald Trump was printing the ads for Democrats. I mean, definitely printing that. Yeah. Go ahead, Victor. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I think I think that one of if there's any silver lining behind the CNN town hall, which it's hard for me to find, it is the fact that Joe Biden and Democrats can pull literally 30 second clips, the minute clips from that town hall and start doing compare and contrasting ads. And those are really effective ads. And yesterday he released one, I think, titled The Difference or The Differences Between uh, Me and uh, Donald Trump. And it was just so effective just to see that side by side comparison. And I think, you know, one of the things that Joe Biden says, um, and I think that really needs to be pushed out into the lexicon is, you know, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. You may think President Biden is too old. You may think, you know, have complaints about his age. But at the end of the day, who is the other guy that would, you know, be the president? It would be Donald Trump. And we cannot afford that for another four years. And I think, you know, kind of going back to the conversation we're just having, I'm not so much concerned about Trump. I don't think Trump is going to be, you know, the president in 2024. I think he's going to win the primary by a landslide, but the general is going to be really, really tough for him. But like we've just been saying, Trumpism represents and the legacy of Trumpism is really scary to me because you have 28% of the population that is completely untethered from reality that doesn't really care about elections or democracy in itself. And you have a Republican Party that kind of continues to pander to their base, which is this increasingly white supremacist, kind of fascist, kind of oriented base. And you saw, I mean, even back before 2022, there was this one uh, congressman from New York City who came out and said that he would uh, support banning AR-15s. And what happened? He got kicked out of the party and he couldn't right. uh, win his election. You're seeing all of these Republicans right now who I mean, they want to stand up for something, the Liz Cheney's of the world, the Adam Kinzinger's of the world. They have no home in this Republican Party because it's been overtaken by Trump and Trump and I find that to be one of the most terrifying things of the legacy and how long this is going to last. But is there another figure in the GOP that is that kind of charismatic cult figure energy that could unify them? Because Ron DeSantis isn't going to do it. Republicans are like the Democrats. It's always going to be, you know, the right is at war with the moderates, just like in the Democratic Party. The Bernie fans and the Hillary fans are always going to butt heads. And sometimes you get along for years. They're on a great streak for the Democrats getting along, being on the same page. Donald Trump has marginalized the sane people. It used to be a white nationalist fringe in a conservative party. Now it's a white nationalist party with a conservative fringe. If Trump's out of the picture, there's no one in that party who can unify it. Not DeSantis, not Josh Hawley, not Christie. They're going to need Chris Pratt. Well, what about Tucker Carlson? Chris, Tucker Carlson or Chris Pratt, either one. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Or Chris Pratt, yes. <laughs> What about Dean Kane? Um, Josh, here's the real question. Shut 
Scott Bayo's leaving L.A. We know where he's moving. <laughs> Iowa, baby, get ready. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's my question, Josh. The really thing that matters is what does this mean for comedy? OK, four more years of Trump jokes at all the clubs. I think we can handle it. I think comedy can handle more Trump. I don't know. I think as long as to me, Trump jokes are like airplane jokes or, or toilet seat being left up jokes. Like if you could find a new way to take an old trope and make it new, then it's a genre. What do you think on a comedic level? Because I'm scared of that. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the I don't know if it's worth the, the demise of the country. But like, I think that no matter what happens, the good news is that he could lose and we'll still have material because he loves to be in the center of attention and he'll still always be in the news, whether That's or not it. he's president. So oh. I don't think we need to for him for sake of the jokes or anything like that. We could always make fun of all these people with that they're going to come out with the, the next Jewish space laser statement like in like every other week, you know, <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's gosh. crazy. Marjorie Taylor Greene, when she visited New York, that was just comedy, you know? Yeah, you're right. And, oh, yeah. It, yeah. When when God closes a Donald Trump comedy door, he opens a Marjorie Taylor Greene comedy window. It's really true. There's just going to be so yeah, it's much. Crazy. These people she and she was like a construction manager or something before she got into office. Like, like literally it's like that's what they're doing they're just like finding people who take orders and putting them into places of power that's what i feel like the whole machine is they're and running the, sorry, the, the, they're, they're running like the right-wing comment section from youtube for office at this point yeah. Yeah. Um, you know <laughs> yeah. victor i mean i i'm full of optimism that donald trump could be the first man in history to lose the popular vote three times and to jody's point i think he of all the democrat <laughs> of all the republicans i i think I think Biden has a much easier time beating Trump than Biden has beating uh, DeSantis or even Asa Christie. Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson. Yeah. No, Asa fifth place, Jody. Asa fifth place. Come on now. But but Chris Chris Christie's going to do much better this time, I think, than any of us give him credit for. But Victor, what do you think? Is, is I Trump? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Victor, go ahead. I, I think first. that Christie is going to be in, and then I think that that he he would be tougher to beat than than Donald. Uh, absolutely. Christy, do you know? Christy? Yeah. Well, like, I, I think I think part of the. Go ahead, Joshua. Uh, I was going to just talk shit about Chris Christie. For a second. <laughs> you know, this is a true story. He like misappropriated Hurricane Sandy money for like plates of hot wings and nachos at Jets game like that. He was like entertaining people at oh, yeah. like literally like, spending like 50 grand on on wings a game and stuff. It, it's like but, but, it's yeah, literally but, comedy, right? But it's also pretty bad. <laughs> but he, but Christie knows that Trump proved that Republican voters don't care about corruption. They care about who's going to be the yeah. biggest bully. And Chris Christie is going to try to be more Trumpy than Trump. And Victor, I'll let you close it out. I think yeah. he's the only one in this field who could. Uh, wh what do you think? Is it Trump's to blow? I mean, I mean, I, I think people like Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, probably st uh, are, are much more kind of popular in the general electorate than the primary electorate. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think Trump is is going to be the nominee. And, and it seems like no one, no matter what they do, is going to get even close to Trump. But I think you touch on such an important point there, which is that, I mean, in order to even have any chance of remotely beating Trump, you have to be more Trumpy than Trump, which is really hard to imagine and really scary to imagine. I mean, you have uh, just this week, I mean, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Vivek Rama, uh, I don't know yes. his last name, but he's oh, one of the candidates running for office who is now proposing to raise the voting age to 25 years yeah. old. And if you want to vote under 25 years old, you have to either take a civics literacy test 
be a part of, uh, uh, I guess, go, go and draft or uh, be a firefighter or, or be a part of oh, the yeah. uh, police unit. I mean, it, it's it's completely crazy. And Again, it's like they're running for the right wing nomination. Just running. They should they should lower the yeah. age. They should make an age maximum to vote. Like once you turn like 65. You know. <laughs> hey, I think I'm the, close to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And we brought well, it back to ages. It's a higher age than if you live in like Alabama. <laughs> there you go. I just think a basic <laughs> civics yes. test. I, I would even just a basic literary. If you if you can spell your correctly, you can vote. That's that's it for me. We got to take a quick <laughs> yes, break. Please right. stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Sirius XM Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And welcome back. I'm John Fuqual saying on Sirius XM Progress, we are wrapping up the week with comedian Josh Carter, uh, pundit at large and host of the Intergenerational Politics with Jill Weinbanks, Victor She, and of course, the icon, the beauty, host of From the Bunker, Miss Jody Hamilton. It's so good to see all three of you. And it's so good for me to say that God's gift to comedy was indicted on 13 counts this week. That would be George Santos. And I say God's gift because... A gay immigrant for Trump is proof that God loves us and wants us to laugh. So 13 counts. There's not a lot to say really about it. Um, My only question is, what would it take for this Republican Congress to cut this guy loose? I think it would take a dead girl or a live boy for them to cut him loose because Kevin McCarthy needs the vote so badly. If they're going to turn a blind eye to Donald Trump's lies leading to a murderous terrorist rampage in our capital, they're not going to care about this guy's nickel and dime crime stuff. Jody, what's your take on uh, the talented Mr. Santos? Well, apparently he did grope somebody. So we finally have a drag queen accused of groping. It finally Um, happened. Granted, it was an adult, not a child, but still. Um, You know, they're not going to lose if they had a bigger majority. Yeah, they'd kick him out in a New York minute. But because they have such a slim majority, they need his his awfulness there. And the fact that he was indicted as quickly as he was 
is just a testament to how little power he has. Yeah. Good point. I mean, Victor, I think he is the most Republican Republican we've got. He lied about his religion. <laughs> he lied about 9-11. He lied about his academic history, uh, blind obedience to Trump, uh, hypocrite on every level you can have, stole money from vets. I mean, who's more Republican than this guy? He's the poster boy. I mean, is his name even George Santos? I don't even know if his name is George <laughs> yeah. Santos. I mean, it's, he's had more yeah, names it, than it Diddy. He really is. I mean, you. you yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. This this man is so corrupt, so beneath the normal kind of elected official status. But it is it is so just kind of beneath contempt and 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 I think shameful that he was able to even get elected. But for this Republican Party, I'm not sure what will get them to speak out against him. I know more Republicans are starting to come out and say George Santos should resign. But it is um, you know I, I don't know what's going to be that kind of final push for them. It doesn't seem like they're going to say anything anytime soon. At least Kevin McCarthy won't say anything anytime soon. And it's because all they care about is power and, and those it. votes. And Kevin McCarthy, like you said, needs those votes. He needs George Santos to, to pass a lot of the things that he wants to get passed. And so until they get a large majority, I think that they're stuck with George Santos. And um, I'm glad that he doesn't, he's not in committees. I'm glad that he's stripped of his committee assignments, but he still is able to vote, which is um, to me just one of the worst things about our Congress, that you have someone like George Santos who's able to make such powerful decisions and be what stands between a Republican policy and what stands between right. uh, not a Republican policy. But there's a good element to that, though, Victor, because then you can pick up George Santos by the ankles and beat the entire Republican Congress with him. This is the vote that took away women's yes. rights. This is the vote that kept the filibuster. This is the vote yes. that caused the government to default. Like, then they all have to own him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Josh, are you a fan of, uh, of George Santos? <laughs> George Santos? I, like no, I actually stuff. didn't even realize he was in power. I, I, that's, like, so stupid of the Republicans. For some reason, I thought that he had already left office like, if anything, Republicans should just use him as a mascot if they just need the clicks out of him and his stories. He could just be like the guy who sets up the events, you know, and like is the MC. He doesn't have to be the headliner, you know. You know, that, that's what they would do if they were smart, in my opinion. <laughs> I agree. We don't need to cover any more time on him. I wanted to bring up this story that was on the yeah. AP this week about how Facebook is now walking around saying it's not dead. To me, Facebook walking around saying I'm not dead is like, you know, a guy who keeps telling you that he's straight. Um, I don't really understand what this is about. But the big thing is that TikTok is just sucking people, uh, sucking viewers away. And there's all these testimonials yeah. in the AP piece from so many people who just say I never, ever go on Facebook anymore. For professionals, it's a different matter. For comics, people like us, we advertise stuff on Facebook all the time. But for average civilians, it's really amazing. For a long time, they were saying that seniors were the largest growing demographic joining Facebook. Now, Facebook is really considered a place where the old people go. Victor, is this, I, I ask you as the token young person, is, is this the perception of your generation that Facebook is something that some prehistoric man started in a cave at Harvard 20 years ago? I will say, um, it's actually funny you say that I was actually talking to some people right before this about, and asked if they had Facebook because I had never heard of Facebook in any of my conversations with my peers um, in college, wow. at least. And all the friends who I asked said they do not have a Facebook account. They don't go on Facebook. It is wow. pretty, um, I guess, it does seem like it's a it's a relic for this generation. But you, right? TikTok is, when you look at kind of the, the trends of social media, TikTok, Instagram, those are hugely um, popular platforms that a lot of young people are on. And I think part of the reason why that is is because this is a generation that has really low attention spans and TikTok and Instagram and what it offers just has short, digestible pieces of information, whereas 
Facebook, there really isn't much video format. It's usually large chunks of text or um, there's not many images. And so it, it does it does kind of repel this this audience because um, young people, I think, care more about those kind of quick quick and kind of um, attention grabbing pieces of information and those kind of short entertaining interviews uh, videos totally fascinating totally fat josh is there will there be a point though in the lives of all these young people where they want to know what their cousins kids look like and they join facebook for that reason because that i know what all, all everyone i went to high school with i know what all their unremarkable children look like thanks to facebook and i can keep in touch with distant relatives i mean there there is a value in it that maybe younger people will grow into right i i mean <laughs> Or is it just dead media? This is how I know I'm old right now is that I didn't even realize Facebook was old. He didn't even hear <laughs> a Facebook, you know? I'm like, wow. <laughs> and now, and you and you guys are like, so do, you, do you, young people still go on Facebook? But I'm on Facebook and so is my whole age group. That's how I know I'm old. You know, that's, it's, <laughs> it's the prequel to playing like uh, Eminem in a Chrysler Council. Do they do that? <laughs> I think they are starting to play Eminem. I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm pre-approved to join Friendster, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's shocking to me, too, because it, to me, Facebook's like a public utility. I use it. I promote things. I, I have an account yeah. where I just put, you know, yeah. baby pictures so my relatives might believe I'm normal a little bit. Like, you know, but I, I it's true. I, I, I don't spend time on it. I just dump my content and leave. Jody, what, what do you think? Um, I'm now more into word games on the computer. So I play <laughs> Wordle, I play Wordplay, I play Wordle, I, I, Foxy Max. That's where I spend my time these days. And then I go, oh, I have a show to do. I should put something on Twitter or on Spoutable or on Facebook. I'm not an Instagram person because I don't like being photographed. So all the pictures pretty much that are on my Instagram are of my cat. <laughs> nice. And that's about it. Um, and I haven't posted in a while and I don't do the TikToks because when I shoot videos, it's a, it's a five minute sketch. It's not, you know, a two minute or one minute thing. It's, it's a longer form thing. So I, I just, the TikToks are weird. I enjoy watching some of the TikToks and I know I'm old sounding when I say the TikToks, um, (laughs) but I, I, you know, Bob Seska just started a TikTok thing, which is like, whoa, dude, really? Um, He's pushing. But I, if I looked as good as Bob Seska, I'd be filming myself all the time, too. I know. Oh, come on, John. You're the prettiest person here. No, no. Bob Seska. No Bob, I'm, I'm, I'm like a before ad for Bob Seska. That's that's what I am. <laughs> uh, OK, n- now comes the time when I want to ask everyone what your unpopular opinion is. My unpopular opinion this week, for example, sometimes it's pop culture. We started this segment because our old producer, Tatiana, didn't like Prince, and we just couldn't believe her that uh, that was true. My unpopular opinion this week is that maybe Dianne Feinstein didn't come back to the Senate because it's elder abuse and she's confused. Maybe she really came back because she wants to approve judges for Joe Biden. We've all been flipping out that, oh, no, the judges aren't getting approved because Feinstein's out. What are we going to do? Joe Biden's already approved more judges at this point in his first term than Obama or Trump did, Joe Biden's put more black women on the circuit court than every previous president combined. He's actually done pretty well with getting judges named, but the Republicans won't allow Schumer to place a replacement there for Feinstein, which is a pretty good indication that even if she did listen to the critics and resign and Gavin Newsom appointed a replacement, the Republicans still wouldn't allow that replacement to be seated. So maybe she's 89 and really sick and needs a wheelchair and doesn't look too good. 
And I don't agree with so much of what she's done in her career. And I question a lot of her investment history. And I don't like her votes for Bush's tax cut in the Iraq war. We can talk about her shortcomings all day. But maybe she's doing it because she wants to do the job. And maybe the only chance of getting Joe Biden's appointees on the court is 89-year-old Feinstein returning to work. That's my unpopular opinion. Victor, what is yours? Doesn't have to be politics. Could always be pop culture. What's your unpopular opinion that's uh, getting you kicked out of the good parties this week? Well, uh, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion. Um, maybe among older demographics, it might be because I was looking at polling this week. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was the generational difference between um, those who support Vice President Harris. Um, when you look at polling, young people support Vice President Harris at record level numbers. I mean, you have more than 65 percent of young people saying they approve of Vice President Harris's job. But when you look at older demographics, that number is completely flipped. You have about uh 30, 40 percent of the older demographic thinking that Vice President Harris hasn't done a good job, which I think is fascinating because, I mean, I think for Vice President Harris, she represents everything that young people really care about. She's diverse. She's a woman. She's what we want to see in the future. And I think her name only helps uh, President Biden on the ticket when you want to try to turn out young voters. And um, for everyone out there who's saying, you know, we sh- you know, Vice President Harris shouldn't be the vice president or shouldn't be on the ticket, I would disagree and say she is hugely popular with young people. And she's going to be the difference, I think, between someone who does turn out to vote my age and someone who doesn't. Can I, can I just say also, when in history has anyone ever cared about how the vice president does their job? The vice president's job is to walk around and be there in case someone dies and open a mall and christen a ship. That's about it. When did anyone say, oh, I, I don't approve of the job Mike Pence is doing hanging around in case the president dies? No one's ever yeah. said it until it was a woman, until it was a person of color. We never. Right? No one said this about Al Gore, Walter Mondale, George Bush, Dan Quayle. Well, no, Quayle, yes, but he was a dope, but never well, about how different. they do their job until it was a woman. Jody? Dick Cheney. Oh, oh, yeah, Dick um, Well, um, yeah, we all went off on him, but not he was a little yeah. too good at his job. We, no one complained <laughs> about him being a bad vice president. He was a bad president. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want my unpopular opinion? Sure, um, yeah, but I mean, okay. but actually, let me just ask you guys the victor's point. I mean, I think Kamala Harris gets a bad rap, too. I agree. I think she does. Yeah, she gets a bad rap, yeah. She does. I actually don't ever. like her, but... You don't? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just the, just the whole thing about when she was D.A., like locking up all those people and like messing with the evidence and then saying she'd do it again. I kind of feel like she's like the answer that Democrats like use to kind of suppress black issues. She's like there and a black woman like for show. But like she's not really she said that she's not prioritizing any black issues. There's no point of ha- using a black woman to get votes if that woman is going to ignore those types of issues. Well, can I, can, I, can I offer a counter? Can I offer a counter to that? Because her yeah. her take on it, first off, she hasn't been accused of anything, any kind of corruption. She's been accused of being a part of the drug war as a prosecutor. And that's a very right. fair criticism. I, I levied it at Bill Clinton all the time. I levied it at Barack Obama all the time. I'm amazed that Joe Biden, old Joe Biden's the one to decriminalize weed at the federal level. I never saw that coming. But <laughs> Kamala Harris's argument is that she's trying to reform the system from within. And I mean, she's in an administration that has already decriminalized weed and is going to work on forgiving federal convictions for it, which I think is a great role model for others. But I, I'd like to see her fight harder against the drug war. A- absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I thought that ahead, there John. was a thing about corruption, though. Wasn't she accused of the remember the whole thing that she's, Tulsi Gabbard yelled at her about? I know I don't like Tulsi Gabbard, but I'm just she's saying. Been accused, I mean, she's been accused of saying, a lot of things, been accused of a, she's been accused of a lot of things by a lot of people on the right. Well, um, but this I don't I'm have talking about. Uh, 
I don't want to. I don't. This, this no, is I right. mean, but I but if it was anything, but but if it was anything credible, it would have really been vetted thoroughly and exhausted during the campaign, like Barack Obama's birth certificate. Like it, you know, they dug up everything they could on her, and nothing stuck, and there was nothing there that made the Biden administration not want her on the ticket. But I agree with the critique on the she drug war. She deserves choice. it. Who was your first? She was choice? my second choice for president, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, right on. Right on. Wasn't there like there was some story, though, about people who's like they, the evidence was tampered with and it wasn't like looked into. It may have not been her directly, but it was like under her watch, like some of these people who went. Was it when I, she I was no the doubt. AG or, or a prosecutor yeah, like in San Francisco? Yeah, like in San Francisco. In San Francisco. I but I mean, that's the, that's the, but that's the drug war. That's the, to me, I think yeah. you support the drug war. You support all the corruption in the police department. The drug war has always led to corruption of judges, of cops, of politicians. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I got no problem with that critique. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Josh, what is your unpopular opinion? No, here's actually a good idea I have that nobody's talking about. And maybe someone smart like Victor or someone listening to it who's smart like Victor could like maybe if they agree, add some fire to this. I have a really good idea for New York City in helping like the, the housing crisis here. Please. I think everyone in, I think I think New York City as a government should turn NICA, like defund NICA, turn them into co-ops and give that stock to the people currently living there. And basically, people who own a place, I feel like, are going to treat their individual units better. And on top of that, the city would be clearing like 80 billion that NICA is like in the red for. Like something like 80 percent of people living in public housing in New York City have like dangerous amounts of black mold that's not being mm -hmm. fixed. Like mm -hmm. every day, like my wife's a court reporter. I'm not, she's not supposed to tell me any of the cases, but we live in a one bedroom and some of these are like, you know, on Zoom and I, we have thin walls. Like every other day, <laughs> someone's like, like for, for someone dying or getting beaten up by the maintenance man or like a lock not being fixed and a little girl getting stabbed by a crazy person, you know, like I think if, if we gave this ownership to these houses back to the people who live there and then there's like advocacy groups, I think that could give you like a construction loan so each person could fix their own problems in their units like owners, you know, and then the Section 8 money that we already have and all the money that we could be refunded into like paying mortgage and maintenance on those. I, and I feel I like, like that idea. way we could turn our lowest quality housing in New York City into like pretty decent quality housing. And then everything I think will do better from there, you know, with other housing and it'll encourage 
other cities to follow and maybe it'll encourage like better more like human human like more affordable like housing to be built and showing that it could work and stuff like that i i think that's how you repair an economy yes i mean my god that's how you fix an economy and get people stabilized so they can get back on their feet get back to work start paying taxes start paying into social security again and and other governments do this i mean in germany you know they subsidize so much housing they they they, the government takes over luxury high-rises and converts it into low-income housing all the time because it's good for the overall economy poverty hurts all of us i think that's brilliant josh and i will vote for you yeah, when are you running? And I'll move to New York. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to find. You know, I'm gonna find. Vic, we're gonna have to find a uh, uh, like a someone like Victor to run, and then we can I'll just consult some of them. <laughs> well, so far these are all very popular, unpopular opinions. Jody, what is yours? I love Hanson, and I will never not love Hanson. They are a great band, and <laughs> that's all there is to it. Okay. Um, They're cool. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I gotta, I gotta give you. Umbop is a Umbop, classic. Umbop, that, that first record was fantastic. Umbop <laughs> is a a piece of classic pop perfection. It is Phil Spector. It is perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect three minute pop song. It's it, like like AI <laughs> software could not write a better pop song than that. And you're right. We always talk about these boy bands, but they're not boy bands. They're men groups. They're they're grown guys and they don't play instruments and they don't read music and they all lip sync when they dance. But Hanson really was a real three. band. Those were, that was a band. Yeah, they were a real Hansen band. Hanson was a true band. When, yep. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I saw them at the Hollywood Bowl. My friend took me and yeah, we were in a box and we were in a box with two guys and their daughters. And I believe I was the only, we were the only people there without children. Um, and I was I knew all the songs. Me and the daughters, we were all just rocking out. They were great, man, because they had a full band with them. And then they paired down to just the three of them at one point at the it sold out the bowl two nights. They were amazing that I people did not like the fact that I liked that band. So so, there. so you're saying you're saying that this this gay male couple were grooming their daughters to be Hanson fans. Is that what you're suggesting? No, they were two different fathers. For okay. two different oh, okay. daughters. They were not related to each other. They were I two see. Different. We were in a box of six of us. So yeah, what advice was, do you and, give to people? What, what advice do you give to people who only know? That one Hanson song, because I, I got cousins down south who like followed Hanson like they were the Grateful Dead. I swear to God, I would like have cousins not, roll into New York City from Virginia because Hanson was playing downtown somewhere. Like I, I never realized they're like fish for some people. No, they they um uh, just buy the record or just listen to the record online because that first they have three or four records out at this point yeah. or maybe more. I have two of their studio produced records that were, you know, record company produced. Um, nice. And they're just I mean talented talented young men well uh thank you for giving well, us a pop culture on now <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I used to listen to i'm not gonna lie back at the see? Day. <laughs> see i'm trying to think of a second song though right now it's like oh there are so I many i could I, I have the record it's in another room and i'm tethered right now but um no i listen well, to that record constantly for the longest time let me ask it's you guys then guys now well, then speaking of pop culture, let me let me ask you, this is the time that I want to get into the Inspiration Nation. What has inspired you recently? What can our listeners look for in terms of a movie, a book, a video, uh, uh, an article, some activism, theater, a new album? Uh, what has inspired you in our culture creatively recently? Victor, let me start with you. 
So I recently took um, a contemporary Black literature class here at UCLA, and um, one of the books we read, we read three books by Toni Morrison, Song Solomon, Beloved, and Sula. And, you know, with the Republican effort to ban books, uh, and Toni Morrison in particular, um, I will say everyone, if Toni Morrison is not mandatory reading, read Toni Morrison. Um, I've read a couple of her books in the past, but this was the first class we did a deep dive into Toni Morrison. And she's just, I mean, the writing, as all of us know, is just amazing. And the way that she's able to talk about issues facing the Black community is unlike anyone else I've read. So um, she's my inspiration and someone who I am now, she's my new, I guess, what they call Shiro. <laughs> Josh, what has uh, turned you on creatively or culturally lately? You know, that's a good question. I have like so many like things, it's I feel like so many things come to mind, but they're all stuck in the door and nothing is like pushing. <laughs> I, I, I like a lot of the stuff on Netflix. Like I, I'm trying to think of something super new. I like, I, I really like like all those like, uh, uh, what's her name? Ava DuVernay. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I like. I, I I try. I always try to push these on my Republican side of my family. Like I I don't for uh, for Victor and uh, Jody. I like my. I, I'm like half Italian, so the Italian side is like very conservative. But like, <laughs> the, but the younger generation of my family, like my cousins, are a lot more liberal and stuff. So we try to like show the media and stuff. So I yep. I try. One thing that my mom still hasn't seen that I'm trying to get her to watch is When They See Us. It's a little bit old. It's like about That's the right. Oh, yeah, five. Right. But that movie, there's no way you could watch that without crying the whole way through. You, you know, that's that's like one of the saddest. Yeah. yeah. I, but yeah, I, I think it's powerful. I think Selma is the greatest movie anyone's ever made about Martin Luther King. You know, they try. Yes, a lot of good yes. actors have played him. I thought Anthony Mackie did a good job in that LBJ movie. But, you know, movies about Dr. King have always been very uneven. And Selma is just a great piece of cinema that you could yeah. also show in a history class. I love you it. You know, I'm going to I actually haven't seen that. I have to check that out. I, I love Anthony Mackie. Actually, do you know Anthony Mackie has his older brother named Calvin Mackie, who's an amazing speaker. Like he actually, yes. when I was at Texas A&M, he came and like, he literally changed my life because it was, I was like in culture shock. I was like a, a black kid from Brooklyn in like this school in the deep South. Like they were throwing eggs at like Obama's picture and like charging wow. people 25 cents, like in the student, like uh, middle of like the like lunch air i forget what they call like the msc right. i don't know what, like the the whatever but you know what you get what i'm saying yeah. it was like a crazy experience but yeah calvin Mackey came and he the way he like puts things and just puts things into perspective is really great too you know oh and i want to also give a shout out now it's they're starting to come my 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 homie from comedy the lucas brothers have you seen judas and the black uh, messiah the one about the movie? fred ham yeah it's great yeah yeah they they wrote it do you know, oh, do you know the Lucas Brothers, Joe? I don't know them, yeah, no, but I love great. the movie. Jody, what about you? What's what's inspired you creatively? Um, inspired me, but I, I'm not sure if it's the right word. But what I'm enjoying watching right now is on Amazon. It's called The Power, where mm -hmm. girls get this new thing biologically that gives them the power of electricity. And how oh, it was a book, right? Yeah, yeah. it was. And yes, yeah. um, Tony Collette's one of the stars. She's the big star in it. And it's uh, John Leguizamo plays her husband. And she's the mayor of Seattle. And it's younger girls can give it to women, older women. Mm -hmm. So some women are getting this too. And it's interesting because it's all over the world. They, they, they're in the United States. They're in parts of Africa. They're in the Middle East. And what's happening to the women politically, what's going on with men politically. It's just, it's a really well-crafted piece of, of, of work. And I, I'm really enjoying it. 
And Jody, how do we follow you and keep up with all your doings? Well, I walk uh, by Gelson's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> from the bunker. Everyone should subscribe I'm... to From the Bunker. From the Bunker and um, on MSW Media and at uh, From the Bunker JR on Twitter and Joe Ham's on Spoutable. Um, so that's how you can stalk me. Victor Shee, they, they, they never raided the classroom. We made it the whole hour. How do we follow you and keep up with all your doings? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably in a classroom at UCLA uh, at any given time, so uh, you can find me there. Or uh, Twitter, Victor Shee 2020. Um, I'm not going to list off all the other platforms. I mean, it's like ridiculous. Mastodon, um, oh. Spoutable host um there are so many out there now because of what elon musk has done but um i'm victor she 2020 on twitter and then um on youtube um on the move you can follow us at politicon they host both of my uh the podcast and the show so um those are kind of where you can follow me and josh carter how do we follow you uh you can follow me on twitter or instagram at gosh carter that's like my name but with a g like oh my gosh carter and uh and yeah uh also, I mean, if, if anyone is out there is like looking to be a homeowner, there are a lot of great programs and stuff out there. Like if you make under a certain amount, actually, right now in New York City, you could get a hundred thousand dollar grant towards your first purchase if you're looking to become a homeowner. I do a little bit of real estate, too. So feel, you could also follow my real estate if you have any questions about that at Josh Carter Real Estate on Instagram. That's awesome. because I'm trying to get Jody to move here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Like I said, we're we're just trying to get our panels up again. We're we're very slow on the uptake post COVID. Thank you so much, y'all. We're so great. That was so many topics. You were so generous with your time. Thank you. Of course, so anytime. Much, Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you all so much. I'm John Fiegel saying this is progress. Mm-hmm.